Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Been waiting for this discussion all day. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. Ah, yes, the great Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park talking about the scientists being too wrapped up with whether they could, not thinking about whether they should. Does that apply to this discussion? The parallels are striking. But at the same time, as I said, this sounds really, really cool. We're talking about bringing back the woolly mammoth, de-extinction. And to tell us all about it, we have Ben Novak, who is the lead scientist with Revive and Restore. Ben, appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Okay, let's define what we're talking about here, bringing back the woolly mammoth. Basically, in a nutshell, that's what it is, but it's a, it's a huge, huge process. So just tell us about the work, because you've been doing this for years, working on this already. Um, just tell us how you go about tackling a project like this and how long you think it might take. Yeah, so, well, just to give credit where credit is due, um, George Church at Harvard is the lead on the Mammoth Project, uh, which was incubated by Revive and Restore starting uh, in early 2013. Um, and uh, actually has recently, George has uh, built a company called Colossal, which is now taking over the Mammoth Project. They've brought in some real money now mm-hmm. um, to move that forward, and they've got a lot of really great ideas for carrying what we started into the future, I think with what they're doing, um, you know, we're looking at a timeline of definitely under 20 years, maybe 10 to our first mammoths. Um, And they're advancing the technology in ways that hadn't really been thought of yet. Um, So the basics are within the last 20 some years, it's been possible to sequence the DNA of extinct mammoths from their bones, from the permafrost of Canada, Alaska and, and Siberia. And people have sequenced the entire genome, and we've found out that, you know, these species, this species is virtually identical to the Asian elephant. Um, in fact, <laughs> I, I worked at a lab in Canada for a couple of years, and one of the mammoth bones that was worked with turned out to be a circus elephant that had been really? buried <laughs> <laughs> along with some old train tracks. I mean, these are so close together that when you dig up their bones, you can get fooled. Um, And that's really promising for de-extinction because how it works is now that they have that genome sequence and they've compared it to the Asian elephant, they can figure out which mutations make the two species different. Turns out that it's only about 1 million mutations out of a 3 billion base pair genome. So that's a really small amount. And for the last few years, people have only been able to edit maybe a few mutations at a time. But with Colossal and George Church's new innovations, they're going to be working on trying to get up to possibly that entire million Hmm. and making something that's very faithful to what the original mammoth was. There are some reasons why it will always be somewhat of a a living hybrid, but the, but the goal is to use modern gene editing technology, take those elephant Asian cells in a Petri dish, make them into mammoth cells, and then use advanced reproductive technologies. George's team is planning on actually creating a synthetic uterus. Um, There are other options available. Um, 
possibly using uh, stem cell gametogenesis, where you take the cells, make stem cells, make sperm and eggs, and use IVF, and then we would use a African or Asian elephant mother to bring them to term. But but ultimately, the goal is the same no matter what. You create a whole generation of new baby mammoths. They're raised by their surrogate elephant parents who have extremely uh, similar social structure. And it turns out in Canada, at a few zoos, there are Asian elephants that love playing in the snow already. So they can't survive long winters in, in the snow. But we have families of elephants ready to take care of baby mammoths. And we've even got some homes up in the north to put them. And that's where we want them to go so that they can help convert tundra to grassland which is the most ideal carbon environment that we can try to create for long-term climate stability. You heard the quote from Dr. Malkin, and I'm sure this is something you run into daily, Ben. Um, we're trying to find out if we can do it. The question, though, is should we do it? What is that not an ethical... Is that something that you've had to grapple with in terms of, okay, maybe we can do this, but should we do this? You know, my passion for this subject goes back to when I was 13 years old, and and that's when I made up my mind on the should we question. Because, uh, you know, all over the world, people have actually been restoring extinct species. They've just been doing it by taking a living relative and plopping it down where a species went extinct. So the wolves of Yellowstone were exterminated by about 1925. Seventy years later, wolves from Alberta were brought down into Yellowstone, a different subspecies to take on their role. And after 25, 26 years now of, of observing what's happened, it's been incredible beneficial transformation. There's Yellowstone now has the highest densities of mammal biodiversity in the lower 48 states. And it's because of those wolves coming in. But those um, are natural life forms. Really, they are. So is a recreated mammoth. There's nothing artificial about it. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. How can you say it's not art? I mean, explain that. Well... DNA is life. It doesn't matter if you rewrite it, if you manipulate it, it's life. It's the building blocks of life. We're not inventing it. Nothing in the process of recreating a mammoth or a passenger pigeon or even a GMO crop is reinventing life. It's actually learning how to commandeer what life has been doing good for billions of years and learning and using what we've learned. Um, So, you know, a mammoth, a de-extinct mammoth, a de-extinct passenger pigeon, um, they're li- going to be living, breathing, beautiful organisms like anything else. Um, and I'd say the answer to uh, Ian Malcolm's comment in Jurassic Park, which is a phenomenal movie. It is. Um, and I, I grew up on it. <laughs> uh, it just comes in the form of a recent TED Talk by our chief executive officer, um, Ryan Phelan, if anybody wants to look it up, it's a quick 15-minute watch. Uh, TED.com, it's titled The Genetic Rescue of Earth's Endangered Species because gene editing for making a mammoth is just the tip of the iceberg of what could be done. 
We have collapsing coral reefs. We have species like the black-footed ferret that are susceptible to introduce disease. They all need help adapting to the changes human beings have accelerated. And the reason they're struggling to adapt today is because we've annihilated their habitats and populations to a point where they no longer have the genetic diversity to evolve completely on their own. And so they need a little bit of help. So, you know, there's a really good um, answer to all these questions in what we call the intended consequences uh, movement, which is conservation has been working for a couple centuries now and getting gains like the wolves in Yellowstone, like delisting alligators uh, off the endangered species list, doing things like controlled burning in the forest and clear cutting to stimulate disturbances, um, captive breeding and reintroduction to the wild. Conservation is actually full of huge interventions for species that really challenge a lot of our questions on what is natural and what is artificial. And when you really delve into the 200-year successful history of conservation, um, you see that intervention is not only the norm, but it's how we've managed to save the nature we have. And mammoth de-extinction is simply the next step in that process. It's opening up, de-extinction is opening up the ability to restore the ecology of unique species like mammoths and passenger pigeons, which conservationists have wanted to do for a long time, but there wasn't the technology to be able to do it. And so we've finally learned enough about life to be able to start these amazing projects. And we at Revive and Restore are absolutely committed to doing this in concert with conservationists, the best scientists. It's an iterative process, one little step at a time, taking into account what are the risks, how do we mitigate, how do we learn from the lessons of the past and do this the absolute best we can do. And for anybody who's really interested getting into the nitty-gritty, I have two published papers. You just go to Google Scholar, look up Ben Novak, there's the paper De-Extinction, and then there's a paper on U.S. conservation translocations. They're, you know... They're review papers, they're written more for a broad audience, and you'll learn a whole lot about basically any question you'd want to know about these. And if you're really interested on things like animal welfare, I have a book chapter that I'm happy to send out so that no one has to buy a $200 book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can find my email on Revive and Restore's website. You can learn all about our projects on there with, uh, with coral reefs. We even have a project funded in your, uh, up near your area in Alberta on studying genomics of long-toed salamanders, which conservationists there are um, assisting gene flow because highways and, and, and things like that have cut off populations. So we're, uh, we're trying to help a little bit everywhere we can from just studying species, how they're doing, and helping to intervene better, all the way to these radical things like de-extinction, which seem controversial, but really actually fit in very well with what we've been doing for decades. If we can do this with the woolly mammoth or the passenger pigeon, as you mentioned, or things like that, what's the limit? I mean, I know your group says, no, we're not interested in bringing back the T-Rex. That's not what we're about. But once this starts happening, I mean, you know how technology works. Where, where, where's the end on this? Well, the same conversation was had about nuclear weapons and nuclear power. And it didn't play out the way people thought. Nuclear weapons were certainly a bad idea. They did get used, and they fueled a Cold War. But nuclear power has been an incredible asset to advancing green energy and teaching us lessons of where we go. 
And the fears people had about an all-out nuclear winter never came to pass. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of instances in which mass hysteria came around new technologies and has never come, the fears have never come to pass. We were 40 years in on GMOs, and every time someone tries to tell us that they're giving us cancer or causing problems, it's debunked. It's, it's just lies. Um, we're definitely advancing the world. We've got a lot of problems to fix. And the limits, I'd say, are pretty hard. Um, DNA, for de-extinction, the limits, I mean, you know, DNA doesn't last longer than about a million, million and a half years, even in Siberia in the permafrost. Um, so we can't get DNA from a dinosaur. It might be decades or even over a century before we know enough about genetics to be able to even bother maybe artificially creating a dinosaur, as, as you might call it, um, because we can't get the real DNA from okay. a dinosaur. We would have to actually invent in a chicken or an emu you know, what we believe the genes would have had to have been to create a dinosaur. And there's some scientific ways to do that, but, but it's a little far stretched right now. We're looking at species that have gone extinct in the last 10 to 100,000 years, which all of the latest science shows that most species that went extinct in the last 125,000 years were driven to extinction because of changes that humans have been making right. to the environment. So, so without our involvement, they might, full well still be out here so it's not like because some people are texting me right now saying well didn't they go extinct for a reason and that reason could be yeah, yeah. what we did <laughs> yeah i actually i come from an ecology and somewhat of a paleontology background and and the reality is, is all the species almost all the species alive today greater than 99 percent of them were alive with woolly mammoths and you know at the time that woolly mammoths were alive when passenger pigeons were alive every species alive today was alive during the ice age twenty thousand years ago the average lifespan of a species on this planet before it evolves into something else or goes extinct is about three to five million years. So all those species that were driven to extinction in the last hundred thousand years had tens of tens of thousands to a couple million years left before they would have possibly right. went extinct or evolved into something else. And I think that's a big selling point also for the Mammoth Project is uh, 12,000 years ago, there were over 17 species of proboscideans, the, the elephant family, throughout the world. Dwarf elephants on islands like Crete and Cyprus, gomphotheres in South America, mastodon, and three species of mammoth in North America. It was a diverse group. And in 12,000 years, we've driven them down to just three species that are all endangered. And what we've learned from genomics, studying those extinct species and these living species, we know that part of that diversification, what kept that family going, was frequent hybridization and the fact that they could colonize and live in a diverse set of habitats. So editing Asian elephants to be able to survive in Siberia is possibly one of the best ways to actually save elephants because we get them away from the black market trade where they live right now and get them up into an environment that's vast, that isn't largely degraded by humans, and where humans have a very difficult time actually living and getting to. You can think of Siberia as a, a safe haven for the mammoths <laughs> that will live there. Yeah, that's what they said about Costa Rica, Doc. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> no mammoths were sent to Costa Rica. <laughs> exactly. It's an awesome discussion. I appreciate it. We'll follow up, and we'll continue uh, seeing how this goes. We could talk about this for hours, but we're out of time. Yeah. But I really appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you so much. 
Well, if I can just sign off quick, I just want to say I actually work on the Passenger Pigeon Project, um, an avian genetic rescue. Um, so if you're into birds, definitely check out our website and revive and restore. Um, the Mammoth Project is now in the hands of Colossal, but all of our projects that we're doing, if you check us out, rely completely on donations. We're a nonprofit. So if you're interested, you know, every supporting dollar makes these things go forward. And it's not just about de-extinction. It's about everything from coral reefs to black-footed ferrets to, you know, long-toed salamanders, salamanders. in Canada. <laughs> okay. Good stuff, Ben. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye. That's Ben Novak. He's the guy. He's doing it. He gave you his reasons. Um, like I say, it's cool. It's really cool. How cool would it be to have mammoths?